All right, good morning, afternoon, evening, or ass crack of dawn race fans, and welcome to Roland Race News Monday edition. We're going to get these things launched off every Monday morning as frequently as possible. Working second shift, being a blind kid, kind of sucks to get around. Joined in the studio tonight by Troy Sanford of the number 12 IMCA Race Saver Sprint Car Team. But tonight we're not going to be doing a lot of talking about the Race Saver stuff. We're going to talk about kind of the Sanford family legacy and where it all began. Going to catch up with Troy about Kenny Greitz and his Uncle Jerry, his dad, and himself. So we'll go ahead and get right into it, uh, kind of starting off in the old days. Troy, let us know kind of where Kenny got his start and just how this whole family legacy started for you guys. Yeah, so in uh, 1964, uh, Kenny worked at uh, uh, Hollywood Motors uh, downtown on uh, O Street. Somewhere over by like where the original Speedway would have been, I'm guessing. Or Didn't you say it's over by like Don's Radiator? Yep, yep. And um, the owner of uh, Hollywood Motors, he owned a uh, Super Modified and uh, apparently wasn't having much luck with it. <clears throat> so he uh, asked Kenny if he would like to wheel it. And uh, so Kenny... I believe he raced uh, three or four times in uh, 64 there. So 1965 came around, and uh, he decided to get his own car. And uh, two years later, he had won his first feature, which was a, a big feat around here, you know, because... Oh, back in the days, I mean, we had all kinds of car counts in every class. Uh, back in the day, kind of like now with the COVID thing, the Midwest was really kind of the epicenter of your sprint car and super modified stuff a lot of stuff got started in lincoln nebraska i mean once we get further into it we'll talk about kind of midwest when they started the 360 deal but yeah back in the 60s it was definitely a feat to win around here yeah definitely some heavy hitters you know jane opperman lloyd beckman you know guys like that uh if you could beat them you're really doing something so then in uh, uh, 1968, he uh, won the uh, Knoxville Nationals B-Main because you couldn't uh, advance through the B-Main back in those days. See, I didn't know that, but that's definitely kind of just something neat that you that we don't get being young kids because nowadays it's kind of gone on to that transfer system and passing points and all this and that. And just thinking about the rules, I'd almost like to find an old rule book from back in those days just to see how stuff worked. Right. So then in uh, 19, well, been, uh, 1968, the winner of 68, uh, Larry Snyder got in contact with Kenny and wanted to go out and uh, buy a sprint car. So they chose uh, Don Edmonds out in uh, Anaheim, California. Uh, flew out there in the winter of 68 and uh, talked with Edmonds and uh, his wife, and they wanted a four-bar, four-bar sprint car. Definitely which, something rare, right? Right, which time. is unheard of. Uh, Edmonds have never built one. He had built four-bar, four-bar uh, midgets, I believe. So um, he wasn't uh, willing to do it until uh, Larry pulled out uh, $10,000 cash money. His uh, wife said that we needed to go to the side and have a, a little chit-chat. As most would when that kind of money is on the table. I right. mean, you, you think about that nowadays, that's like sixty grand. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of money. So uh, when they came back, uh, Mr. Edmonds agreed that he would build them a four-bar, four-bar sprint car. Well, come to find out, uh, his wife wanted new cabinets in the kitchen, so that uh, car kind of paid for that. So uh, in the, uh, the uh, spring of uh, 69, uh, the car was uh, delivered to Nebraska, and uh, Kenny and his crew assembled it and later on went to California 
and raced at uh, Ascot and El Centro. And uh, didn't have much luck. Of course, you know, new car. Uh, you got to figure everything out and whatnot. Yeah, try to work out all the new bugs, especially with a 4x4 four bar, four bar car being the first of its time in that era. You know, you talk about finding out new stuff about a chassis today when everything's within millimeters of each other. And right. back then, you know, you really had some radical stuff to deal with. But can you imagine driving out to California in 1969 i know air conditioning and automatic transmissions had been around for a little while but yanking a trailer with an old single cab pickup on some leaf springs or the old pickup trailing arms i mean talk about 240 ac the best part about that would be back in the day you had those little uh, ball breathers that you pulled down and opened up and let the wind blow up your shorts oh those are my favorite thing about riding in old trucks <laughs> So in '69, uh, uh, Kenny and Larry Snyder did a lot of racing. Um, they raced in uh, California, Minnesota, Kansas, Iowa, uh, and Tennessee. And uh, they were heading for a race down south, and pulled over to a uh, gas station, was fueling up, and a sheriff uh, pulled up and uh, asked where they were going. And they told him that they were going to a race. I, I believe it was Texas, if I recall. And uh, he said, no, you're not. There's riots going on down there. You guys are turning around and heading back home. Really? Yep. Yep. Man, that is wild to think. You know, you see what's going on these days with all the protests and riots and everything else going on in the world. And then you flash back to 1969, and they're dealing with kind of the same stuff with cheaper gas. And, you know, <laughs> honestly, it was probably a lot more fun to live in those days because back in those days, man, I tell you what, a riot was probably a riot. <laughs> Definitely. So cruising around, going all over the country, I just I can't get over the kind of creature comforts that we have today. And for those guys, man, back in those days, they were the real road warriors. So was there any success out on the road, or did a lot of that kind of come around here? Uh, there was some uh, success out on the road. I believe he won at the fairgrounds up in Minnesota, um, won a few races down in Kansas. But uh, his uh, success really came, I would say, uh, midway through uh, the 69 season, he had found out the the uh, frame was uh, flexing too much. And so he welded a bar in the right front, and uh, after he got done with that, that's when everything really uh, came to life for him. Uh, two weeks prior to the 69 Knoxville Nationals, uh, Kenny had won at Eagle on Sundays. They raced on Sundays. He had yep, won back those in the two, day. Yep, two in a row. Um, so he goes to Knoxville, and uh, we all kind of know the story. He uh, was welding on a, a fuel tank, and it had uh, exploded in his face, giving him, uh, I believe, uh, second-degree burns. So he had uh, went to the hospital, and while he was in the hospital, uh, Lloyd Beckman came up to his room and offered Kenny his uh, motel room because it had uh, air conditioning in it. So uh, Kenny went there. And hung out, and uh, my uh, grandpa actually at the time was driving Kenny's backup car, and uh, he had actually planned to go up there just to help Kenny. Well, he didn't know that Kenny had in mind that he was, you know, gonna race, and so when my grandpa got up there, Kenny had told him he wanted him to race his backup car, the old super modified. And my grandpa said, no, you know, I don't want to, you know, hurt anything or whatever. He said, that's your backup car in case you need it. And Kenny said, nope, you're racing that thing. So uh, he's set to go out and uh, time in. And uh, Kenny looks at him and he says, uh, you know what you got to do out there. 
which meant uh, uh, flat footed. You know, you had to run that thing wide open. Oh yeah, as you do at Knoxville. Yep, and uh, end up setting third quick on Thursday, and uh, holy shit, dropped a valve in the feature, I guess. Oh no. Yep. So anyway, uh, Saturday rolls around, and uh, word around town is uh, who's going to drive that Snyder uh, fiberglass number twelve. Kenny and uh, Jeannie walk up, and uh, I'm assuming Kenny is, uh, you know, in his head, he's thinking, ain't nobody going to drive this thing but me. Oh, no. You know, and uh, bound and determined. So he uh, starts the uh, feature about uh, midfield, and with uh, three laps to go, he passes uh, Jana Opperman coming off four and uh, starts uh, pulling away from him and obviously gets the victory. Yeah, you had showed me some incredible photos from that year's Nationals, and it's it's just crazy to think about the technology that we had in cameras back then, but you could really see a lot of the burns on the side of Kenny's face yep. and stuff, and it's, you know, it's just wild. Again, back in the days of the real road warriors, back when these drivers had balls, no power steering, it took so much to wheel those things around there, and then you've got a little short Lincoln, Nebraska guy who can go out there with second-degree burns and, you know, pass a guy like Jan Opperman to win the Knoxville Nationals. Even at the time, I mean, Knoxville was getting a lot of cars. It was definitely a huge event before the days of, like, the Kings Royal and other huge events like we have today. So definitely something cool for the Lincoln guy and a really great backstory that goes behind it. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Kenny came home that Sunday right after uh, the Nationals. And uh, they're racing at Eagle, and goes to Eagle, and uh, he wins another feature. So he won three in a row at Eagle, and they make it four in a row, including the Nationals. You know, he was on a roll, no doubt. Yeah, definitely a stellar portion of his season. I mean, Kyle Larson of his time, maybe. I don't know. We've, you know, sadly, we didn't really get to see how far that yep. panned out as the weeks went on. Yep, yep. And then uh, two weeks later, he uh, was uh, tragically killed, but... Yeah, he was a uh, wheel man, in my opinion. The guy could definitely just drive, you know, it was just a natural thing for him. Yeah, absolutely, and, you know, even to this day, there's some people that can just get in a car and drive, and that's something that can't be overlooked because it truly is amazing to just see somebody come out with that much natural raw talent, especially somebody, you know, back in those days, yeah, there was some go-kart racing, but it isn't like it is today where so many people got their start at five years old and you get to learn setups and progression and keep it rolling as things go so um just kind of to venture off to the side a little bit i know you've just rolled on stories because obviously we're quite a bit younger we didn't get to go and hang out and live in the 60s right. but let's talk a little bit about kenny on the side away from the racetrack it sounds like he was a hell of a fun guy yeah definitely uh at the uh three five nationals we were parked next to uh jeff bogue and uh, Mr. Uh, George Bogue, which is their father, he uh, had been friends with Kenny. And um, he said every uh, Sunday they would somehow uh, meet on O Street at you know, about the same time. And they would uh, race their truck and trailers all the way to Eagle. And uh, he said that uh, Kenny Greitz was uh, fearless. And uh, he would uh, pull up next to George in the left lane. And whether there were there was a car coming or not, he would uh, make George pull off on the shoulder. And uh, George said there's a few times that half his damn pickup was off the road and in the ditch. 
Man, you could never do something like that today. Back in the day when O Street was, you know, like you say, just a two-lane stretch of road, one going east, one going west, it's not the major, you know, I don't really think of it as a major highway anymore, but, you know, that is the biggest traffic area in Lincoln, and you think about flashing back to the 60s and looking at an old Chevy pickup, battling another old Chevy pickup, hogging up both lanes, something's got to give and somebody's going to have to move. I can only imagine what oh, it'd man. be like with a car coming and just you know looking at the truck them not guys backing are? down. Oh, I'm sure. They were nuts. <laughs> I would never take my truck and trailer along. Somebody else would race them. Well, Ain't even no like my grandpa always talks about riding around in the back of his friends. I think it was like a 58 Ford convertible. Sorry, grandpa, if I don't quote this right. But they were riding around with a pony keg in the back. Drinking beer and doing donuts, out running from the law on gravel roads. They used to have so much more fun. Nowadays, cops can radio ahead. Yeah. We used to be able to run. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely had a good time back then, no doubt. But yeah, so then uh, my, uh, obviously my grandpa raced. He uh, got his start in 66. Uh, and uh, I think he raced about a half a season maybe in uh, 1970 and uh, blew a motor. And just kind of, you know, called it quits from there. I don't think he ever stepped foot in a race car again. It's just. Yeah, even back then, it was so expensive to keep something rolling week Absolutely. in and week out. You know, that's one thing that's never changed. It's always been an expensive hobby, addiction, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's definitely sure. always been a deal that's caused some family financial discussions around the dinner table. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, Grandpa raced, and then your Uncle Jerry raced for a while, didn't he? That's kind of yeah. when we're rolling into the 80s and kind of getting started with the 360 right. stuff around Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think he raced for around uh, four or five seasons in the 80s there and uh, had some success, but just uh, then again comes down to dollar signs, you know. Just uh, takes a lot of money to do it. So then uh, my dad started racing in uh, 1982. He raced a... Uh, what would be today as a uh, hobby stock. Oh, okay. So, like, uh, Bronco class type of stuff, I think, is what a lot of places call them, or a street stock. Street stock, probably, yep. Yep. And uh, he only raced, you know, just partial seasons for a few years. Whenever you could afford it. Yep, yep, exactly. So then in uh, 88, he started racing up uh, Pro-Ams and uh, won uh, two to three features uh, within them three years. And then in uh, 91... Got to start racing modifieds, and um, so then uh, I think he won a uh, track championship in two thousand one at uh, Rising City. And, what a uh, great racetrack! I missed the hell out of that place. Yeah, that was an awesome racetrack. I love that place for sure. Um, I think that same year he was battling uh, for points with uh, Mikey Meyer. At Eagle, and I think uh, it came down to the wire there, and Mikey beat him. But he, uh, I believe he had, I don't know, around probably 15, 20 future wins. And um, so then in uh, 04, he stopped racing, you know, just, uh, again, financial deal. And um, 2010 rolled around, and uh, Randy Floodman gave him a call, wanted him to run his sport mod. So in that 2010 season, they uh, just raced a uh, partial season. And in uh, 2011, uh, they ran again and uh, won three features and finished third in the points. Was that at Eagle then? Yeah. Yep. Yep. 
definitely an impressive feat. I mean, you think back around those years when the sport mods and everything, you know, 2010, that's within the first couple years of the Hayden administration, and what a job they've done with the place. I mean, you think back to 2010 through 2014, even today, you know, it's still not uncommon to see 40 or 50 cars in that class rolling the gate every week, and you definitely have some tough hitters back then you were battling with like uh the one that really comes to mind is benji leg at the time he was Definitely. just screaming around here jesse sobbing in the sport mods back then a lot of guys that have had some success and went on to have even more so it's definitely impressive to pick up a couple of feature wins in a class that's as stout as that and you talk about losing a championship to mikey myers that's a guy who took a lot of championships from a lot of guys back in the day. Yeah, so, that guy was fast. Yeah, pretty impressive to yeah. go out there and have success like that. So around that time, your dad does the 2010, 2011 thing. Is there anything more with him, or is that kind of around the time that you got started? Nope, uh, th uh, that was it for his uh, racing career. And then in uh, 2015, the Noonans gave me my start in their uh, sport mod. And then uh, had the sport, our own sport mod in 2016. So how did it come about with the Noonans? Just kind of friends had something sitting around that a guy could put together, or how did that all work out for you? Yeah, yeah, it was a uh, 06 Harris uh, roller sitting on the side of their garage, and uh, they told me if I stuck a motor in it, I could go out and race it. And uh, so we did that, and uh, thanks to them, they uh, let us use our or use their uh, trailer and truck tall everything out there so it always works out good to have friends in the business per se because that's something that you don't have with other sports is you know people who are willing to go out and help one another all the time like that and friendships really get built out at the racetrack you don't see a lot of them torn down it's always some good build-ups so doing the sport mod stuff and then when you i know we'll get in more into your a mod and sprint car deal but Back in the day, what kind of motors were you putting together? Did you do the open motor stuff, or did you just find a good deal on a crate, or how did your operation kind of run back in those days? Yeah, so um, I had uh, a 9-to-1 uh, sitting around, and it was complete, and uh, so we used that. And it was a good motor. It's just uh, them crates, you can't beat them crates. Yeah, it's definitely hard. There's still a couple guys that can get it done, but it really is, as yeah. much as I hate to say it, because, I mean, guys like you and me, we grew up in the open motors. It didn't really oh, yeah. matter what big track motors. you went to. Yeah, the yeah. big 406s thumping around there, and it wasn't uncommon to go to Eagle or Beatrice on a Saturday night and see that fifth car roll up and make a claim more times than not. And, you know, I know that guys hate getting motors claimed, and I understand the ups and the downs to it, but it definitely makes for a stout show for the fans to see and it makes things interesting makes you got to pay a lot more attention to what's going on because you know that if you know we'll throw it back if Trounet got claimed one week you got to see what motor Alcorn's running the week after that or vice versa or just however it goes and now it's kind of nice to have that option for guys because there are some people that race out here that really don't know how to do a lot of motor work and couldn't put a nine to one together and work on it and keep the maintenance up on it and then those crates you know change the valve springs whenever change the oil and uh you just go ahead and ride with it yep no so a couple years in the sport mods then you moved up to the imca modified with that pretty blue car yep yeah we ran that that was actually our uh sport mod just uh put full sail panels on it and uh didn't uh have 
the luck I had uh, wanted or success I would wanted, but it all uh, works out in the end. You know, rolling up with a sport mod suspension and engine underneath of it, you know, kind of a big fish in a small pond, but a good way Definitely. to go out and turn some laps. And, you know, a lot of times guys will learn from following good people and seeing where to set your marks. And it's a, it's kind of a good way to improve as a driver to have a setup like that. And, you know, this year, 2020, getting your start in the Race Saver Sprint car, um, kind of what's your... What's the differences between driving those two animals? I've never gotten to sit in the seat of a sprint car when you throw it in gear and push it down the hill. Oh, yeah. So um, I guess uh, compared to a modified, uh, obviously we can all see you know, a sprint car uh, wings down on the left side. Yep. Um, modified gets on the right front. Um, I'd say the biggest uh, difference is um, learn how much you can feed it when it's super slick out in the sprint car compared to the modified with the modified you know you're on a nine inch tire yeah and so it's uh you really got to watch your right foot with that sprint car it's not so much like that um you can feed it a lot more you know because they are you know that much more hooked up yeah drive it more off the throttle than the brake pedal and the steering wheel yep yep and i would um compare a sprint car to a go-kart it's the weirdest thing, but that's what it uh, feels like to me, just a go-kart with a bunch of horsepower. You know, you you hear a lot of people say that. And, again, kids these days getting a start as early as four and five years old running these go-karts, I think it's going to be impressive having a budget-friendly sprint car option like we're blessed to have around here to see some of these kids move on to that level and beyond. I, I think we're in for a hell of a future. This Race Saver deal, you know, it caught so much guff when the 360 guys were kind of phased out and the car counts going down and all this and that. And the 360s are even struggling to this day. I hate to see it, but it's just kind of the way it is. Race Saver set up with a strict rules package, and, you know, I'll get your take on this, but I've heard people say that it doesn't matter whether you go out and run the $12,000 Race Saver versus the $21,000 Race Saver. And I know that there is going to be some variation to that, but, I mean cylinder head up y'all got to run the same stuff right yeah pretty much um yeah the way the rules are set up it's uh you know a guy can't get a you know huge advantage on another one you know um i think you know as long as it holds together it uh it could win a feature oh absolutely yep so i don't think you need you know to spend the big bucks on them you know, you could get into a little bit cheaper by a you know used one that's been uh, freshened up. You know, and get into it that way. Oh, absolutely! I've always been a firm believer. You know, not just in racing, but in life. You've got. I'm not the guy that goes for the bottom of the barrel, but I'm not the guy that goes for the cream of the crop either. I think somewhere in the middle. You know, you get what you pay for, and I I definitely think just watching, you know, the cars that have won at Eagle this year. You've got, I think, an Assassin picked one up, but the Speedway Motors and the Myers Racing Engines, those guys kind of seem to be the class of the field, and it just seems like they stay together so well. Shaver's another big motor guy that gets a lot of success around the area and all over the United States, really. So being a rookie in a class that gets 30 to 40 cars weekly, I mean, that's, you know, like you say, that's a huge learning curve. So how did it feel to go out there and really have some success? You had a couple of uh, finishes on the front stretch, a couple of heat race wins. 
Yeah, yeah, it uh, felt really good. It's kind of uh, surprising to me, honestly, that we uh, were able to run that good. But um, yeah, I think we picked up uh, four uh, heat race wins there, and I think we ended up on the front stretch three times, I believe. Picked up two fourths and a third, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um, and had uh, <laughs> was leading one. Yeah, with a decent lead, you know, and... Uh, uh, I believe you were gone. Yeah, made a mistake. <laughs> I'll uh, never let that one down. That was on Kenny's birthday, even. Oh, really? Yes, it was. Man, I'm going to give you a way harder time yeah. about that from now on. <laughs> yeah, yep, so... But, uh, I mean, all in all, we had a pretty awesome season. Uh, finished uh, second rookie points at Eagle to uh, Jordan Grabowski. But, um, you know... A guy like that, you can't be ashamed to run second to him sometimes, you know? Oh, absolutely not. You talk about a guy that's got so much talent. I mean, he can win in really anything that he gets behind the absolutely. wheel of, and he proved it. He just won in a stock car in Salina last night, yep. I believe. Last yep. night or the night before, one of the two. Them yep. two-day shows confuse me every once in a while. So talking about that and getting into the sprint car and everything, running with all that competition and racing all being one big family, who are some guys that kind of helped get you pointed in the right direction with this sprint car deal? Yeah, uh, Stu Snyder, man, he uh, helped me out so much uh, in the start there, and he uh, still uh, continues to help me. But uh, that guy, there was uh, no question I couldn't ask him, you know, and uh, he'd be willing to help. So, uh, yeah, uh, him and... Um, uh, my uncle, uh, he's helped out a bunch too. And uh, Uncle Jerry, right? Yep. And the rest of us, we're all just uh, learning yet. <laughs> so, but yeah, them guys, they uh, definitely helped me out a lot, and I really appreciate that from them. Oh, absolutely. It's always good to have a nice group of people around to where you can get some good tech advice. And I know that your sister helps out doing some live video and all yep. this and that. It's just such a great family affair when you're hanging out down at your trailer after the races, and every once in a while you even get some embarrassing Snapchats. Yeah, yeah, you might get those every now and again. Yeah, that's, that's what nationals will do to a guy. That's right. That's what you get for drinking, as my dad would say. <laughs> so um, I hate to call it out, um, but I am going to call out your grandma real quick. I thought that it was uh, super sweet. We were over here the other night bs and just talking i i really thought that it was cool uh your first practice session doing the ran out of the track when we couldn't go racing tell us a little bit about that and kind of your grandma on the rolling through the emotions and emotions of jumping in a sprint car for the first time yeah um she was a little you know nervous i'm sure like a lot of people were but, oh yeah um, a lot of people's moms and grandmas cringe yeah, when yep. you jump in the car yeah and uh so that uh, first session was done. We pulled back into the pits, and I walked up to see everyone. And uh, my grandma, uh, she was the first one I went to. And um, she looked at me, and uh, she said, I started to cry while you were out there. And I said, why were you crying? And she said, you know how many years it's been since I seen that blue number 12 out there? So it's uh, a little emotional for her, but it's, uh, it's a good time. Definitely. Man, I can't blame her a bit. That's just... What a cool memory that you two are both always going to be able to share. I I think that that's a pretty neat deal because anytime, you know, whether I'm in the front stretch doing a post-race interview, anytime somebody gets emotional about it, I, you know, I just really appreciate it because it goes to show all the blood, sweat, and tears and man hours that these guys put into these cars. Owning a race car, a lot of times, if you want to go fast, I should say, is a lot like having a second full-time job. You get off work, you go spend your hours in the shop, go For eat, sure. go shower, and go to bed. 
No doubt. Eat, sleep, breathe, race, as they say. So had a lot of fun this year, kind of getting things figured out. Any different changes that you're going to do for the 2021 season? No, I I just think we're going to uh, do a little traveling. Um, I can't exactly tell you yet where. Um, but I think uh, we'll probably hit uh, Cameron and maybe Bethany or something. Um, but other than that, no big changes. Just uh, main priority is uh, racing at Eagle every Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. you got to please the hometown fans and sponsors. Yep, for sure. I think definitely. Um, I don't know if it was you that I was talking to or somebody else, but it all seems to be kind of a just general consensus. If you're out there looking for sponsors, race in the area that you know and where your sponsors are going to get advertised. If you've got a sponsor in Fairbury, maybe race at Eagle or maybe race at Beatrice over Eagle because you're just that much closer. If you're sponsored by a sports bar in Lincoln, you go race at Eagle because it's close and that's where your fans are. Yeah, for sure. But with the traveling deal, I think you guys would have a ton of fun doing that because there are so many good race saver races going on. Why don't we take a trip to Houston's one of these times now that they're That'd doing the right. race saver deal? It, I just think it'd be cool to go to a track that legendary. For sure. You know, I I haven't been over to that one yet. Have you ever been to that track in Wheatland, Missouri? No. Nope. Oh, Never you got to live now. your life, man. <laughs> it is worth the drive. There's even a super sketchy hotel Ryan Kitchen can tell you about. It's definitely the most Bates <laughs> Motel place that I've ever been in my life but anyways kind of getting derailed here uh before we let the fans go why don't you tell us a little bit about your sponsors and support and the guys that help keep this 12k so consistent week in and week out out at eagle and hopefully in the coming year wherever you want to go yeah definitely um uh, mark cooning with uh, mak do it all that guy does a lot for me uh, throughout the whole year does it all yep does it all literally <laughs> um sarson racing uh, Jeannie and Ron, them two treat me really good, and uh, always like uh, going out there and seeing them. Um, then uh, the Isles Pub and Pizza in Havelock, of course. Uh, if you've never ate there, you've got to go try the Leaning Tower. Add cream cheese. Oh yeah, you got to do it Inferno style with them little pepperoncinis oh, and the cream yep. cheese. I've been known to devour the power of the tower. <laughs> and then uh, uh, Taylor Lee uh, Photography, uh, my sister. And then I have uh, Fox Automotive. Uh, located in Havelock, and um, Jansen Law Office, uh, RAS Plumbing, uh, Studio JCK, and I think that's it. Definitely a good group of people to have you around. Uh, what was your sister's photography name again? I th I think I'm going to go do one of those... Uh think i want to get on the four-wheeler with the old speedo and oh god take some of those <laughs> uh, you know maybe something for my tinder profile <laughs> No, I probably yeah, I, don't have to do that, but I, I would. I mean, I'm sure she'd do. That's more money for the race car, right? Oh, that's right, <laughs> especially if you look at that. Look at, hey, guys, if you're looking to get those Speedo pictures taken for your special lady, look up uh, Taylor <laughs> Lee Photography, I believe. She can hook you up. You might even get the racer discount. All right, guys, before we, uh, before we make Troy over here die of laughter... Want to thank you for coming on today, brother. Um, episode thank two. Thank you, James. I appreciate it, man. Oh, anytime. Always happy to sit around and BS with you. So if you've got any local racer friends that want to come on and just sit here and talk about their racing career a little bit, uh, I know Mike Hansen showed some interest in coming over once he gets his fall specials done. Stefan Oaks and AJ Oaks. I think we're going to have an episode on each of those guys. So stay tuned. 
Have a wonderful work week. And once again, thank you for tuning in to Rolling Race News.